Open your Bibles, if you will, please, to John's Gospel, chapter 11. John's Gospel, chapter 11. We're going to begin reading at verse 21. I want you to listen carefully to these verses. The Lord Jesus is talking to Martha. A Lazarus, her brother, has died, and she's quite concerned. And Jesus is going to give her some words of comfort. And so will you listen as we read, beginning at verse 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, whatsoever you will ask of God, he will give it to you. And Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. A few weeks ago, I began a sermon on life after death. My time ran out. I didn't finish the sermon. And so this morning, I'm going to give you the rest of the story. Part number two on life after death. The part that I did get to on last time was to remind you that we will have at least three bodies. We will have a physical body, the one that we are presently living in. And one day you and I are going to leave this physical body, and the body is going back to the dust from whence it came. But you need to remember that death is not a dead-end street. It's a thoroughfare. And so there is a provisional body of some kind in heaven. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 said that we are not going to be unclothed. God has provided in some manner, in some way, a body for us once we get to heaven. It's a recognizable body. We'll be able to recognize one another. We'll be able to speak to one another. I do not know the details of the body, but it is a body. It is a temporary body. And when Jesus Christ comes again, we're going to shed that temporary body and we're going to take upon ourselves a permanent body. Now, the permanent body is the body in which you are living right now. Uh, This permanent body is going to be with you and me forever and forever and forever. You're still going to be who you are. I will be who I am. And we'll be able to be just exactly like Jesus was when he was resurrected from the dead. It will be a glorified body. There's never a time in the history of mankind when we will be unclothed. But now then, this morning, we are going to talk about this permanent body. And I want you to notice three things about it. When are we going to get it? Well, we're going to get the permanent body when Jesus comes again. I want you to think with me about three different things about the permanent body and about the resurrection of that body. 
We look first of all at the truth of the resurrection. Secondly, we notice the time of the resurrection. And thirdly, the triumph of the resurrection. There has to be, there will be a resurrection time. Now, as far as I can understand from reading the scripture, there is going to be two resurrections in the future. And one of them is for those who are believers, and the other one is for the unbeliever. Uh, this resurrection will not be at the same time. In fact, they're going to be separated by at least a thousand years. Because the Bible tells us that the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were over. And so let's look, first of all, at that first resurrection. Get it in your mind. When Jesus comes again, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Thessalonica, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, said this, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those dead loved ones of yours that have been buried out in the cemetery will rise first. Jesus will come. He will bring us, if we have died, with him, and then the dead in Christ shall rise first. John, in the book of Revelation, in chapter 20, in verse 6, said, Blessed are those who have part in the first resurrection. Now, the word blessed means happy. Happy are those who have part in the first resurrection. Well, if there's going to be a first resurrection, then there has to be a second resurrection. Uh, continuing in the book of Revelation, John goes on to say in verse 6, And they shall reign with him for a thousand years. Who's going to reign with him? The dead in Christ that are resurrected. And going into their bodies, they will reign with him for a thousand years. We call it the millennium. One more verse in Revelation chapter 20, in verse 11, uh, he says, But the rest of the dead... Live not again until the thousand years were ended. The rest of the dead, that's the unsaved folks. Saved people shall be raised at the beginning, and the unsaved people shall be raised at the end. And they will be judged at the great white throne judgment, and then cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Now, you and I know that there are some people who deny the resurrection of the physical body. And if you look at it from a purely human viewpoint, it seems incredible, impossible, that a body can be buried and rot and go back to dust and then live again. But remember, we are not dealing with the natural. We are dealing with the supernatural. And remember that God is able to do everything. However, there are a number of people who have been in ancient time and still are who would deny the physical resurrection of the body. You remember the Pharisees in the book of Matthew in chapter 22. On one occasion, the Sadducees, who did not believe in a bodily resurrection, went to Jesus with a ridiculous story. They were trying to capture him and discredit him in what he said about the resurrection. Uh, they said to him, there was seven brothers. Uh, the first one married 
and he died without having any, his wife had no children. The second one took his widow, the third one, the fourth one, all seven of them married the same woman. And then the woman died. And then they said to him, now in the resurrection, uh, which one of these men are going to have her as wife? And Jesus said to him, you err, not knowing the scriptures, and neither do you know the power of God. If God can construct a body in the beginning, he can construct a body in the end. And so then we know from this that it is an error for those who say there is no resurrection. Some of the people who lived at Corinth said that. And Paul wrote to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and said to them, How say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? They were questioning it, just like the Pharisees questioned uh, the resurrection. But to deny the resurrection is to deny the power of God. And then Jesus goes on to correct them, and he said this. He said, Do you not know that God is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? He is the God of the living and not of the dead. And so the Sadducees questioned the validity of the future resurrection of the body. So did the philosophers in Greece. Uh, the Apostle Paul finds himself in Athens, Greece. You'll find it in Acts chapter 17. And he's in the marketplace talking with people. And some of the Epicureans and the philosophers approach him and say to him, we'd like to hear some more about this new teaching that you're doing. And so they took him to the Areopagus, which is Mars Hill. And Jesus began to tell them about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And then when he talked about the resurrection of the body, the Bible said they mocked, they sneered, and they laughed. They said it's impossible for there to be a resurrection of the body. But then we bring it down to our present day, the day in which you and I live. There are some people even today that would deny the resurrection of the body. They say it's absurd to even think about it. Uh, some believers have been dead now for 2,000 plus years. And of course, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob thousands of years ago. Uh, their bodies, where, where are their bodies? How in the world could their bodies be resurrected from the dead? And I can give you something. Uh, about what some of them may, may say. Uh, for example, suppose a man is eaten by a lion and then the lion dies and the vultures eat the lion's body and then the vultures die and they go back to the dust and then the wind picks up that dust and blows it all around. How in the world can that body ever come together again? It sounds absurd, doesn't it? But remember, we are not dealing with the natural. We are dealing with the supernatural. And it is going to be raised again in the last day. Certainly, if God can create a body out of dust, he can pick up a handful of dust that's been scattered and recreate another body. The Bible declares that there will be a literal resurrection of the body. Now there is a spiritual resurrection. 
Some people today, even preachers and theologians, say that when Jesus talked about the resurrection of the body, he was actually talking about a spiritual resurrection. Not so. There is a spiritual resurrection. You know when it comes about? It came about the day you trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, Paul said that we were all dead in trespasses and sins. And then he said, but God hath quickened us and raised us up together and seated us in the heavenly places in Christ. And one day he will come back and the body and the soul will be reunited together. And so the resurrection of the body is a fact. We have the witnesses of the Old Testament, and then we have the writers of the New Testament. Look at the witnesses of the Old Testament. There are many of them, but I selected just four of them. For example, in Job chapter 19, Job said this, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that in the end he shall stand upon the earth, and in my flesh shall I see God. That's a, that's a resurrected body. In my flesh shall I see God. A little bit ago, Karen read from Daniel chapter 12, and uh, Daniel said this, Multitudes that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Isaiah the prophet, one of the prints of the prophets of the Old Testament said, but your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust will wake up and shout for joy. Just one more. In the book of Hosea, chapter 13, verse 14, it says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. And so we have the witnesses of the Old Testament. But then we also have the writers of the New Testament. We have the, we have, many times in the New Testament, we have the writers talking about the coming resurrection. In the book of John, in chapter 5, in verse 28, Jesus said this, The time is coming when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Again, he speaks in John's gospel in chapter 6, And this is the will of him that sent me, that I should lose none of all that he gave me, but will raise him up in the last day. Jesus believed in a bodily resurrection. The apostles also believed in it. Uh, listen to the apostle Paul as he stands before Governor Felix. He has already reasoned, before Governor Felix about his faith and what he believed in according to what he had been taught from the Old Testament. And then he comes to this in verse 15. He said to Governor Felix, I believe what is written by the prophets. The prophets said there would be a resurrection of the dead. I believe what is written by the prophets and I have the same hope in God that there will be a resurrection both of the righteous and of the unrighteous. The early church believed in a bodily resurrection. Now we've seen the truth of the resurrection. Let's look at the time of the resurrection. 
When Jesus comes again, three things are going to happen. It'll, it'll be over a period of time, but three things are going to happen. First of all, there's going to be the resurrection of the righteous dead, of those family members and friends of yours that died years ago, and you place their bodies in a cemetery. It's going to rise. Again, I go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And in verse 16, Paul said this, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those who have been buried shall rise first. And then later on, Paul, writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, said this, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised. He goes on to say that this, this, this body was sown perishable, but it will be raised imperishable. This body was sown in dishonor, but it will be raised in honor. It was sown in weakness, but it will be raised in power. It was sown a natural body, but it shall be raised a spiritual body. And this spiritual body is going to be a vast improvement over the body that you and I now have. Body and soul are going to be reunited. The body will be like that under Jesus. He tells us in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, that Jesus is going to be resurrected, and he's going to be real. He was real, and he was recognized. He was in the glorified body. So what's going to happen when Jesus comes again? First, there is the resurrection of the believers, the righteous. Secondly, there's going to be the renovation of the living. Wouldn't you like for Jesus to come today while we are still worshiping him in this, in this sanctuary? Not have to go through the process of death. Well, when he comes again and whenever he comes, those who are living and who have placed their faith and trust in him will never die. Instead, they will be renovated. In chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, in verse 53, Paul said this mortal shall put on immortality. Uh, those of us who may be living when Jesus comes again will suddenly uh, be changed. We'll put on immortality. That means that we will never die. And then we'll be able to shout the words that he said to the Corinthians, Old death, where is your sting? Old grave, where is your victory? You'll never get it. You thought you'd get me, but you will not. And we will not have to go through the process of death. Not only will there be a resurrection of the righteous and a renovation of the living, but there will be a rapture of the saints of God. Now, the word rapture in the, in the scripture is parousia. It means being caught up. So when Jesus comes again, suddenly there's going to be a catching up of every person that has ever placed his or her faith in the Lord Jesus. Listen to what Paul said again. We shall be caught up together to meet them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Uh, this speaks about reunion. Uh, this speaks about recognition. This speaks about going up together with the living. Those who have died, resurrected first, the living renovated, 
and caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Now let's come quickly now to the triumph of the resurrection. Oh, it's going to be a victorious time. The triumph of the resurrection. There are two reasons why the body must be raised from the dead. Number one, your salvation is not yet complete. In order for your and my salvation to be complete, there has to be a resurrection of the dead. In the book of Romans in chapter 3, or chapter 8 rather, and verse 23, Paul said in this body we groan, waiting for the resurrection of the body, waiting for our redemption to be complete. Listen to what he said. In the present body, we groan, waiting for the adoption and the redemption of the body. The Apostle Paul was looking forward to the day when his body would be redeemed. And it is only at that time that our salvation will be complete. Then the Lord Jesus will look back and be satisfied with the work that he accomplished on the cross of Calvary. And so, first of all, there has to be a complete redemption of the body to complete salvation. And then the bodies must be raised in order to be judged. Now, the believers will not stand at the great white throne judgment, but we will stand at the judgment seat of Christ, which is known as the Bema. And we will be rewarded for what we have done or what we did not do. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, Paul writes, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that everyone may receive the things done in the body. That's when we'll hear him say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Or maybe we will not hear him say anything. Uh, Jesus said, And you shall be recompensed at the resurrection of the last day. Everlasting life, a permanent body, forever and ever and ever. Socrates said, If this is a dream, please let me dream on. And I say the same thing. If this is a dream, let me dream on. Some of you who remember some of your history that you studied years ago, back in the 1600s, uh, Sir Walter Raleigh, he was an English nobleman, he was an explorer, he was a celebrated soldier, he was falsely accused of treason, he was in prison for a long period of time, and then after spending several years in prison, he was executed. The night before he was beheaded, he said this, I have recalled the wisdom of Plato and Socrates in vain. My only assurance is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What a day that will be when my Savior I shall see, when he comes again and takes me by the hand and leads me to that promised land. Praise God. We will have a resurrected body that will be forever and ever. But if you do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, then you need to go home and read carefully Revelation chapter 20 about the great white throne judgment because you too will one day stand before him. And when you do, you're going to be judged. You're going to be judged and then cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the plain teaching of God's word. And I pray for those who do not know you as Savior, that they will, that they will come to know you because Jesus has already paid it all. All to him I owe. And they can come to know you as Savior if only they'll trust you, invite you to come into their life. And so, Lord, in just a minute, we're going to give an invitation and invite people to come. To come for salvation or rededication or transfer of letter into this church. And when we do, I pray that you'll move upon the hearts of people that they'll respond. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.